Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Motorcycle Madhouse, presented by Insane Throttle Biker News, hosted by none other than... Well, right now, I don't feel too agreeable. ...everyone's favorite online personality, the thorn in every Leo's side, James Hollywood Machikari and his partner in crime, Double Barrel. Welcome to this episode of Motorcycle Madhouse and our first Tuesday show. Yep, Motorcycle Madhouse is now twice a week. Tuesday and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. And starting soon, live over at Insane Throttle's YouTube channel. So let's jump into this, shall we? America right now is in a pivotal point in history right now. A point in our history where history where we can finally take back this country for the working man right now we have a president in the white house who cares deeply about this country and putting it first regardless what the so-called pundits like spewing we have a president who is not bashful about putting america first especially when it comes to trade and strength right now president trump is in the midst of renegotiating NAFTA. For those youngins who do not know what NAFTA is, NAFTA was the nail in the coffin to many industries. Steel, coal, automotive, textile, and the list goes on. Many of these industries employed union workers, many of which jetted to third world countries as soon as that ass monkey of an agreement was made. NAFTA under the president that is being renegotiated right now, fair trade or no trade should be the slogan. Sure, you have the never Trumpers out there screaming and crying, no tariffs, claim it will hurt the American consumer. Bullshit. They're defending the companies and the lobbyists who fill the campaign coffers. On the other side, you have them protecting illegal immigrants so they will have their future voters. No other time in the United States history besides Andrew Jackson have we had a president who actually put the people first. I know he's accomplishing, you know what? He's accomplishing in his job against the establishment. When you have the propaganda media arm of the Democratic Party via CNN and MSNBC criticizing them daily. President Trump has upset the entire establishment. He's got every one of them crooks running for cover right now. You know, it's time for the working man to stand up and be counted. Many were surprised when Harley-Davidson took the savings from its tax break and decided to pay out its shareholders. I wasn't the least bit surprised by the company's actions. 
I've long ago stopped being loyal to that company. Why? Because the lack of loyalty from the company to its base. The last Harley I'll ever own will be my 2001 Fat Boy. After this one, I'll move on to Indian. One thing I will not do is support a company that don't give a rat's ass about its employees. When the Kansas City plant closed, the jobs from there was supposed to move to York. Instead, another bullshit line from that company. Only about 150 of those jobs went to York. The rest is heading overseas to Thailand. The reason so many of us choose to ride Harley-Davidson was that it was an American company. The new excuse after they started using parts made overseas was, well, the money's going to this country. Bullshit. It's going to the stockholders, many of which are overseas companies. So what's the next excuse for why Harley-Davidson's the best? Bikers are supposed to be some of the most loyalist people on earth, especially those who are blue-collar. Where's the outrage? Where's the disgust when Harley slated the Kansas City jobs for Thailand? Let me guess. Go out and buy a new 2018, right? It doesn't affect you, so keep up the pipe dream of Harley-Davidson being the workings man bike. Little secret. Hasn't been a workings man's uh, bike since the mid-1990s. If it was a working man's bike, then people would've, wouldn't have to have a second mortgage on their house to get a new one. And the company wonders why the used market is kicking the hell out of the new sales market. Maybe this is the reasons why new sales are way down, you wizards over at the corporate office. The problem with this country has become no pride in itself. People have become conditioned to think this is the way the country has to be and has always been. This is the furthest from the truth. America was the land of the trades. We had the best of the best in construction, mechanics, electrical, and you know what? Tons more. It wasn't the suits that sat behind a desk which made this country great. No. It was the hard-working men and women who stood on the assembly line floors or the ones who sat under a lift and wrenched all day that made this country great. For those who are young, let's say 18 to 25, those are the ones you want to look up to. Without those people, this country would come to a standstill. It wasn't long ago before the times of these liberal ass monkeys. This country used to have pride in itself. Hopefully the times will return when people have pride in their work, have pride in their country, and most of all, have pride in being American. If America is going to remain the greatest country on earth, we have to support those who keep the engine going. Those people are the American blue-collar worker. The base that Harley-Davidson kicked aside. Let's get nasty.
Well, it seems like we got another undercover recording of Lollipop and his merry band of legacies. From what the source says, this recording was taken during a meeting of a chapter of one of his legacies. So let's listen in real quick to see what is up to. What's up, bro? Oh, you wanna go, bro? What's up, what? Well, bro, don't go at me, bro. I'll cut you, bro. Hey, uh, fuck you, bro. Yeah, fuck you, bro. Uh, would you? Yeah, I'd fuck you. Thanks, man. Yep. Yeah, I'd do all that sort of thing. Well, you know, I'd fuck you as well. I'd fuck you. Fuck you, let's get married. Fuck yeah, let's get married. Yeah, let's fucking do it. Wedding bells, yeah. go. I'm so, uh, See what you've done, asshole. I am so happy about I this. I know, I love you, bro. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Machikari live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central on the Spreaker Radio app and downloads available for all episodes on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and all major platforms. Don't forget to check out Biker Angle every Thursday and Sunday over on Insane Throttle's YouTube channel. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Don't know what it is about Lollipop. You would think he would keep his escapades behind closed doors. And a little more careful on who he lets record his freaky conversations. But moving on. Generational changes in the biker scene. Are they good or are they bad for the lifestyle? As always, it depends on what generation you're a part of. <laughs> if you're the older generation, you're going to be griping about some of the things going on right now. If you're the younger generation, you'll love what's happening out there. Me, I'm middle age, where I stand on some of the things happening in the scene, I guess you can put me in the 50-50 camp. I was lucky enough to learn from the Vietnam veteran generation, the guys that were the ones who were hardcore to the bone. I know, many people say it was the ones after World War II who gave us the club scene, and in part, they are accurate. Hollister happened and the one percenter was born. But it was the Vietnam generation that took everything to a whole different level. They also established many of the traditions the biker scene sees today. These guys were not just rebellious, but as Randy McBee said in his book, Born to be Wild, The Rise of the American Motorcyclists, they defined what it meant to be counterculture. The generation that had changed everything the rich urban bikers of the 1990s and the 2000s. No other period caused a huge divide within the biker scene as the rubs. This is also the generation Harley-Davidson put all its cards on the table for and are now paying the price. For those old enough to remember the mid-90s when the rubs started showing up at mass at Harley-Davidson, the dealerships, you couldn't get a bike, you know, like I said, you, you remember Harley had to put those people on waiting list to get a bike? This is when the prices of Harley shot through the roof. Well, Harley left its core base of blue-collar workers and went with the rubs. Not working out all that well now, is it, Harley? Harley Davidson is faced with rock-bottom sales and a used bike market that is destroying destroying the new bike sales market. The rubs also gave rise in the 2000s to the pop-up club scene. Maybe that's where uh, Lollipop comes in. Anyway, 
there was always a divide between those who were considered scooter tramps and those who were considered rubs. Rubs didn't like how the biker scene was set up, especially how the club scene had a set of protocols new clubs would have to follow. Rubs being rubs decided they would buck the trend and start up clubs the way they wanted to. They wanted, you know, they started accepting cops and pushed the idea they didn't need anyone's permission to start a club. Personally, I think they started accepting cops because they needed protection. Then, of course, you have the social media internet generation, which I call 2008 the present. We all know what happened in 2008. Yep, the show that would change everything within the biker scene, Sons of Anarchy. The show gave internet balls to those rubs and pop-up clubs, and they became an infestation on the club scene. Today, the pop-up club and internet biker is like a virus with no end. Most of the traditions established from previous generations are all but gone. Who would have thought just 18 years ago the future would hold a biker scene most would have never recognized in that time? Cops currently running an alternative to the confederation of clubs called Alliance of Law-Abiding Clubs. Some of the old-timers profiled hard during the 70s probably had their heads exploding right now. You even had regular independents out there openly supporting cops who profiled bikers. Something that would have been unheard of 20 years ago. To say things have changed is an understatement. Even the national rallies everyone used to attend has changed. It's no longer about a wild party. It's all about politically correct, and if you run too hard, then you're going to get a big-ass ticket for some bullshit law enacted just because of bikers. You know, take a look at the way things are going out there right now. Yeah, some are bad. Some other things aren't so bad. It's not all doom and gloom in the biker scene. Some changes have actually been good for the scene. You had the rise of more women getting involved in riding. Because I remember when it was taboo for a woman to hop on a scooter and ride. Women used to be regulated to the, you know what, the bitch seat. Another significant thing that has happened is people have shifted their way of thinking about those who do not ride Harley Davidson. In the old days, a person was an outcast if they rode, anyth rode anything metric. In the present climate, it's a familiar sight to see guys who would have been on Harleys just a few years ago riding around on metrics. People are seeing it's about the person who makes the biker, not the bike. The idea alone has added people to the clubs that would have never been able to get in there 20 years ago. One last thing. I see independent bikers have brought the lifestyle back full circle. With all the drama and politics in the club scene, independence really had brought the original ideal of what it was to be a biker. Riding enjoying the win, and partying hard. The club mania looks like it's dying off. But only time's going to be able to tell that.
we do have that new Mayan show coming out this fall. We're going to have to see if that starts all over again. People wanting to be a part of the club scene. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of Motorcycle Madhouse and the Biker Angle over on YouTube. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Or come on over to the Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel for the Biker Angle hosted by myself. New episodes every Thursday at 8 p.m. and Sundays at 8 a.m. Be there! Let's take a look what's screwed up in our country, shall we? First off, to all you kids out there, don't piss off the Dean by having lagging pot sales. You gotta keep them sales up. If you don't, you might get a cat put in your ass. USA is reporting the Dean of a Boston high school, known by his students for promoting anti-violence initiatives, was sentenced to 26 years in prison for shooting one of his students in the head. Sean Harrison, 58, shot a 17-year-old student whom he recruited to deal marijuana in school because of a dispute over lagging sales, despite putting on a pious-like image for his students. Harrison put a 380 to the back of the teen's head, shot him, and left him for dead as the two walked down a snow-covered street in 2015. But the victim, Luis Rodriguez, did not die. He flagged a passing vehicle for help and was taken to hospital where the bullet broke his jawbone, causing him to suffer nerve damage and hearing loss. Well, you would think he got shot in the head. While in the hospital, he uttered the word Rev, a nickname Harrison's students gave the dean because of the pious demeanor and history as a youth minister. Damn, man, a youth minister. Anyway. He goes on, the judge, and says, You profess to be a man of religion. You promote yourself as one who can mentor troubled youth. And yet, you violated their safety by bringing drugs and violence to them. This is what the judge, Christopher Muse, said at uh, this dean's sentencing, you think? Harrison began working as a dean at the English High in 2015, just two months before authorities arrested him on attempted murder charges. The morning Harrison shot Rodriguez, Harrison said he got into a dispute with a female student and shoved her. School officials later said they planned to fire Harrison based on the incident with the female student. But the police charged him with attempted murder the next day. Harrison denied the allegations against him while in jail awaiting trial adding that the claims of him living a double life were not true. He goes and says, and this is the Rev, I am not a gang member. I'm the Rev, he told WHDH in 2015. For me to be accused of something like that, all of a sudden at 55, it's like a nightmare. And you're trying to wake up from this nightmare. Rodriguez, who is now 20 years old, broke out into a quiet sob in the back of the courtroom while his aunt described the moment she learned her nephew nearly died at the hands of someone he trusted. This just goes to show you kids who are working in conjunction with your teachers and deans in the dope business, you always got to keep them sales up. 
In other news, we got the fight. What is this? The fajita heast. A Texas man is sentenced to 50 years for stealing $1.2 million worth of food. He pleaded guilty in stealing these fajitas. <laughs> you know what? I can't even say it. It's so funny. He eat $1.2 million in fajitas while acting as a public servant. <laughs> wow, some people. Do what is employed by uh, the Dale B. Hester Juvenile Detention Center in San Benito, Texas until 2017, when it was discovered that he had been placing orders for fajitas using county funds and then selling them for his own profit since 2008, according to the court filing. So, the moral of the story here is, fajitas is a worthy business. I guess you can make some money on this. Everyone has heard about this story about the 30-year-old dude who was court-ordered to leave his parents' house. He finally did, but not before calling the police on his father regarding some missing Legos. I am not making this shit up. Yes, he is not the only one. <laughs> I am not making this shit up. Yes, he not only had to be ordered by a judge to leave his parents' house, but he called the cops for some missing Legos. God help this country when we have a generation made up with ass monkeys like this. <laughs> Finally, James Bundrick of 56, a man who was captured masturbating in public on Monday, told Florida police officers he was Captain Kirk from Star Trek. Officers from the Clearwater Police Department were called to a bus stop on Monday morning following a report of a lewd and malicious act. Officers stated they had discovered a man sitting on a bench and touching himself under his pants. The officers noted in the police report that it was obvious he was masturbating. When asked what he was doing, the man told the officers, Hey, I'm scratching myself. As officers were arresting the man for disorderly conduct, they were asked for his name. The arrest report stated the man told him his name was James Tiberius Kirk, the same name as the Star Trek protagonist Captain Kirk, famously portrayed by actors William Shatner and Chris Pine. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Hello. This be Michael, but you can call me Michelle. If you want to be the top prison yard hoe like me, then you need to get yourself some death row by Bubba. Mmm, Bubba like it. Bubba make this fresh from the toilet. The smell of Bubba's ass have all the boys wanting you, but scared of you too. Yeah, dog. Basso, now, else it's a dead man walking for you. Death Row. Motorcycle Madhouse, Thursday, live on the Speaker Radio app or available on iHeartRadio or iTunes. No holds barred, no politically correct, and no safe zones offered. Hosted by James Hollywood Machikari.
Hollywood Machikari, and we are joined on the line by Jamie. He's the owner of Psychotherapy in South Haven, Mississippi. How you doing, Jamie? Doing great. A little bit hot. Thank you for having me. How hot is it down there in Mississippi right now? Uh, Mid-90s. Oh, wow. How's the humidity? <laughs> yeah. A lot of... I was, I was just going to say the humidity. I was... Uh, just telling uh, Jamie offline that I have family down in Iuka, and uh, once I seen uh, his referral on the website in Mississippi, I said I had to call him. Well, thank you. So, okay. What kind of work do you do down there, uh, Jamie? Pretty much everything. We we like to specialize in performance on, on V-Twin Harleys. Um, we have a couple of Sportster drag bikes that we race with AMRA, um, American Motorcycle Racing Association, uh, I'm a master dyno tuner, um, machine shop. We do a little bit of everything here. Wow. What uh, circuit are you on right now? What circuit? Yeah. Well, are you uh, racing mostly uh, down uh, south? Or are you going all over the country? Um, AMRA races all over the nation. Well, I'd say eastern half of the United States. They Several races in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and Rockingham, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Martin, Michigan. Um, usually we're in Baton Rouge, but we didn't go this year. So it's uh, pretty much just Eastern racing. Eastern racing? It's only, yeah, it's the only organization left strictly for American V-Twins. Man, that's uh, awesome. I didn't even know that. Uh, you know, we're doing a series on independent motorcycle shops right now. and. Uh, you know, some of the things a lot of our, you know, readership, our audience like to know is how, you know, the independent scene's going right now for uh, motorcycle shops. Um, according to, well, based on us and according to a few of my friends that own shops, we're all swamped. Um, people are tired of the dealerships. You know, uh, they're tired of them trying to talk you into a new bike every time you carry a bike in and paying $400 for a service. and you know, when you have to think about where you're going to ride, you know, it's not fun anymore. You know, so the object is our, our mission statement is committed to keeping you behind bars. So we do everything from, from tires to services to full-blown race motors. And, uh, you know, our services are, most independents, our services are $200, which is half of the dealer. And you're getting experienced people working on them. So that's, mm. that's a big drive right now with the independent shops. Right, right. Now, uh, what, you know what? Besides price, a lot of our audience say they have a lot of problem with the customer service that uh, the dealerships uh, provide. Yes. What's well, your thought? Well, my thoughts are this, and, and this is what I tell my customers, is, you know, when you go into a dealership, you're going to deal with the service rider. You're not going to deal with whoever worked on your bike. Um, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. But when you walk into my shop, you're going to talk directly to me or you're going to talk directly to Andrew, my tech, and you can put your finger in our face and say, you messed this up or you left this loose or thank you, you did a great job. And to me, that's what customer service is about is being able to shake hands with the customer and make them know, make them comfortable with who is working on their equipment. Um, you know, it, it, I personally, when I take my truck to the shop or something like that, I want to know who's working on it. 
You know, I want to be able to feel comfortable. You know, that's my life. So, and I try to extend that into into my business. Do you think uh, since Harley-Davidson dealerships got away from that kind of customer service, that's why you're seeing them uh, struggling right now? Yes, sir. Uh, That's one of the reasons. Um, The other reason is they've lost sight of where they came from. They're, um, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but they are gearing their business more towards the millennial generation who have no money. Right. So they've turned their back on the veterans, uh, the people that have made Harley-Davidson what Harley-Davidson is. And, you know, I come from a military family, and, you know, I do everything I can here for my veterans. You know, I try to give them priority service. I give them a 10% discount. Um, if they just need something little, a lot of times we do it and shake their hand and send them on their way. Um, mm-hmm. None of us would be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for our military. Oh, you're so correct in that. When do you think that trend started? Uh, we were actually in the previous segment talking about uh, Harley-Davidson and how they got away from their base and the working man. And we pinned it around the mid-'90s. When do you pin it at? Um, actually, I think... When they started mass producing in 2003, I think that was the nail in the coffin. That's mm-hmm. when they started turning their back on their core customer. Um, my shop has been open for three years, and we've not had time to take a breath, even in the wintertime. I mean, it just we stay 30 bikes, 40 bikes deep in here. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, and, and like I said, I've got several friends that own shops in Red Bay, Alabama, and, and uh, just north of yeah. Dallas, Texas, and other places, and their shops are just as swamped as I am. That's fantastic. And, uh, that, that's, 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 do you think, you know, uh, what, what's your feelings on uh, Harley-Davidson and closing the Kansas City plant? Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't like the fact that they're moving stuff overseas, but I think that um, I don't know. I, I really, I, I don't know what to think about it. I, I think they're trying, you're not going to see the prices go down. So I think they're just trying to put more money in their pocket and be greedy. I think they could have easily made it work here, especially with the tax breaks and stuff that were being offered to the, the big corporations. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to, I really think that they're going to hurt themselves big time once they move to Taiwan. So, um, and watch or, India because China, <laughs> yeah, I heard it was Taiwan. <laughs> you think Indian's going to start giving them a run for their money? Well, Indian already is. Um, Indian is the only motorcycle manufacturer right now that their numbers are up. Everybody else's is down, and Indian's up like 12% this year. Wow, 12%. That's <laughs> I mean, that's not, run. you know, I mean, I guess when you're talking hundreds of millions, 12% is a big deal. But, you know, everybody else is down, and Indian's up 12%, so that should tell you something. And I do work on them, and they are a fine machine. What would you take right now, an Indian over a Harley or a Harley over an Indian? I would take an Indian in a heartbeat over the new Milwaukee 8 Harleys. Why is that, you think? Um, I work on a lot of them. There's a lot of bugs they still have yet to work out. And quite honestly... With the Indian, you get a lot more for your money. You know, when you compare apples to apples, the Indian makes more power, more torque, 
better throttle response, uh, less heat. It comes with about $5,000 worth of stuff that Harley would charge you for. And they're just a lot more fun to ride. Do you think, uh, do you think, uh, Polaris made the right decision getting rid of Victory and just concentrating on Indian? I think, um, I like the Victories as well. Although, if you think Harley parts are expensive, buy Victory parts. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my whole thing that, that made me understand that is I read something somewhere that Indian sold more bikes in the first two years than Victory has sold since they've been going. Wow. So I can see where, you know, let's ditch this and concentrate on what's working. Wow. And if they keep concentrating on that and they don't go electric like Harley's talking to doing and all this crap, I think that you're going to see a big switch. Um, I've had several of my customers trade bikes in for, for Indians. Right. Right. Well, hopefully they get a better dealership network going, too. You think that's going to get a, that's going oh, to be a focus? Yeah, they uh, they just opened a dealership in Memphis, which you know I'm just just outside of Memphis. I, I actually call this place Memphisippi, and um, but uh, I've done some warranty work because for a long time the closest dealership was in Nashville, and they would call me and have asked me if I'd do some warranty stuff for them on bikes they've sold down this way, and then they would pay me to take care of it. So even you know that's something you'd never see Harley do. Right. You, you'll, you'll never see Harley reach out to an independent and say, hey, can you help us? And, right. You know, and that's what I like about Indian is they're not, you know, they understand that, that the independent is the backbone of this industry. Exactly. Well, in the closing seconds, uh, what is uh, psychotherapy known for? What is your best service you think you, you know, you have and, you know, what you're known for? Our performance. Performance? We make, you know, there's shops that make bigger performance, bigger numbers than us, but we pride ourselves on building 100,000-mile performance motors, you know, stuff that, you know, you can go out and ride cross-country and enjoy it and not worry about it breaking down and still have plenty of throttle response and get up and go when you want to show off to your friends. What kind of warranties you got for your uh, performance work? Uh, typically, I just stand behind my warranties. I don't like to limit my warranties with a number because, obviously, if you go out and, uh, 4,000 miles, something breaks, and, and Harley did it, they're going to say, well, you got 4,000 miles, tough. If if you're 15,000 miles into one of my builds and something happens that's my fault, I want to stand behind it. So and I don't limit my warranties. And that's the difference between an independent shop and uh, Harley-Davidson right there is the independents always take care of their, their own. Yes. I mean, I, uh, I take good care of my customers or as good a care as I can. And, you know, I put my heart and soul into every bike I work on like it's my own. Well, you know, it's not a paycheck. That is, you know what, that's just awesome, Jamie. And we appreciate you coming on the Madhouse. And everybody out there, if you got a chance, if you're down that way, go see Jamie at Psychotherapy, South Haven, Mississippi. His phone number is 662-470-6300. With that, Jamie, I think uh, thank you for coming on the Madhouse, letting us know. And do you have a website? Uh, I do have the domain. I've never had a. I've paid a guy to build it, and he never built it for me. So we've been <laughs> so busy without advertising that you know we just use our Facebook page. Okay. So, uh, Psychotherapy LLC. Okay, you're on uh, Facebook at Psychotherapy 
LLC. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jamie. We appreciate it. Appreciate Thank what you, you do for us. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. That's what I'm talking about. The independent motorcycle shop where you actually get to speak to the mechanic working on your bike. It's real important to be able to have a relationship with your scooter mechanic. What Jamie said was so true about these dealerships, and this is something that rubs need to understand. You're dealing with a service rider when you walk into a dealership. The whole job of this service rider is to sell you upgrades. Dealerships could care less if you're happy with the service or not. Service riders have no skin in the game. Unlike independents who work their entire living and reputation on servicing your scooter, independent shops take the time needed to run every test they can to make sure they get the problem fixed the first time around. You do not know how many horror stories I've heard about dealerships. Not only about the pricing of the service, but their overall inability to diagnose a problem with the scooter. I've had friends, and I'm sure all you've had too, take their scooter in for a simple tune-up and come out with a nightmare 100 miles down the road. Most of the dealerships put their people on book time. If it calls for a two-hour job, then that's what they get paid for, regardless if it takes them four hours to complete the job. So now you have employees rushing through as many scooters as possible so they can get paid. Attention to detail is the last thing on any dealership mechanic's mind. So just like in the days of old, guys... We need to stick with the independent motorcycle repair shop. Not only does it keep a fellow biker with work, but it also gives you a peace of mind knowing you're being taken care of the right way. You're just not a number to an independent shop. You actually have a name. So support your local independent bike shop and spread the word. You know, in upcoming episodes of Motorcycle Madhouse, we're going to be having interviews with Shops that were recommended to us by our listenership and our audience on Facebook. Uh, we got many, many referrals that we're going to be talking to. And that's going to be one of our missions over at Motorcycle Madhouse is the spotlight an independent uh, motorcycle repair shop. But I want to thank you for listening in on Motorcycle Madhouse's first Tuesday show. Thank you to all our patrons that made it possible through their monthly contributions for only a dollar a month you can help motorcycle madhouse achieve its goal of going monday through friday an hour each day and expand some of our program offerings the information how to become a patrons in the show notes and with that everybody be safe and remember to keep the throttle cracked wide open. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to the Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and check me out over on Biker Angle. Also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open. 
Holiday tips and wine stories from Kristen and Paul at Total Wine and More. The sweetness of a maple glazed ham paired with a bourbon barrel aged Cabernet. We went there. Now my taste buds are hopping. I can help you impress the boss with a great bottle of wine. Here's to a raise in 2019. As you check off that gift list, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine and More. Come explore at our 12 Northern Virginia locations. Now open in Reston at Plaza America Center, across from Whole Foods. Shop online at TotalWine.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.